welcome you in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ today at Go Center here at Come into His House. And I want to welcome all of you who have come to the house of the Lord today here at Go Center. And I want to welcome those of you who are joining us via television. And I want to ask everybody in the house here to give a very special welcome to our visitors on television. We are here to listen to the life-giving, powerful Word of God. And I want to encourage you just to turn with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And I'm going to read from verse 13 up to verse 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13. The Bible reads, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns, will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. Let us pray. Lord our God, we want to thank you so much for the words which you have given to us to give us direction, to give us hope, to give us a future. I want to thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for the word which has been put into our midst today. And I pray, Lord, make this word alive to every one of us, so that we have hope and a future which you want us to inherit. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for what you have done for us. Amen. Today I want to talk about uh, when the family experiences this. We are still tackling the subject family under attack. And of course, uh, in recent weeks and even months we were confronted with a lot of uncertainty in our country. We have seen our president die and uh, this week he was buried. Now as a nation, and the nation is a family, just like the church is a family, and of course then we have the small, the nucleus family, your family, where you come from and where you uh, meet every day. We are going through ups and downs in our life. You know, when there's a new baby born, of course, there is rejoicing in the home. I'm sure some of you are looking back to that experience, and very soon we have got the uh, uh, children dedication here, and it's always a joyful time when we are dedicating children, when new children are coming to be part of the family. That's great, that's wonderful. It's great when and every time, you know, when we have weddings, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful opportunity to just rejoice in the presence of the Almighty. You know, 
These are highlights, and we thank God for every couple who come together and then, you know, begin walking not only together, but also walking together with God, the Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. So, these are highlights. We think about other highlights like graduations or, you know, promotions or other things which are happening frequently in a family. Times of joy, times, you know, when, when everybody has a smile on their face, when we really say, God has been good to us. But then, of course, we also have to realize that this is not all life has. There are other times in our family life. That's when we are losing somebody in our midst, when somebody dies. We all do not want to talk about death. Nobody wants to really uh, or loves to talk about dying and death. It is nevertheless a reality which we cannot push aside. We all have to realize that death is something we are going to go through in our life. And the older we become, the more we see people are leaving us. For us as Christians, this is not something which we find very strange. We know that this is a reality, like everybody, of course, knows that this is a reality. But for us, we do not only know that this is a reality, we know that there is life after death. Praise God. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Okay, I want to show you from God that for us, this is not final. But this is a new beginning, and this is the new beginning we need to understand. Now, the scripture I've been reading uh, with you uh, from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, from chapter 4, verse 13, verse 18, the last verse, verse here says, So encourage each other with these words. Praise God. You see, first of all, and that's what I want to start with as I begin talking about this subject, subject is encouragement. Praise God. Despite the reality of this, we who know Jesus Christ as Savior and as Lord, we have a reason to be encouraged. We have to encourage one another and to help each other because we know that this is not the end, but it's another phase in our existence. Amen? We are meant to live forever. God never made human beings to be here for a while and then die. This came as a result of sin. And sin was not something God wanted to see, God planned to have, but sin was something which we fell into because of the temptation the evil one brought to us. So, but let us hold fast to that very fact that God made mankind in his own image not to enjoy a little fellowship with him for a short time and then you know, be buried and be forgotten. But God wants all of us to be with him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Praise God. For all eternity. Now, I know I cannot imagine eternity. If you can, please tell me. Because eternity is too big for anybody to imagine. 
But praise God, I have got that hope, and that hope is not like uh, fake, uh, you know, some, something like, like uh, not sure about. You know, a lot of people say, I hope tomorrow I will be okay. That's not the kind of hope I'm talking about. The hope the Bible talks about is very secure and very well defined. Hope which does not disappoint us. Amen. So when we talk about hope, we are not saying, I hope I will come around your place. No, that's not the hope we are talking about. The hope which God speaks about is a hope which is well defined and very well promised by God himself. And so we should never be without hope as people of God, as people who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's why we are here today. So in the family of God, there is always a future. There's always hope because we know that in the first place, God did not make us only to enjoy us for a short season, but God made us to enjoy us and we to enjoy him as well for all eternity. That is God's plan. And even so, death came into this world because of our sin. God made a way out of that calamity of death. So we are people who have an obligation to announce to the world that death is not the end. But death is just the end of our physical body. But after that, God will give us a new body, a resurrection body, which is going to be with him forever and ever. Our soul, which God has given to us, our spirit, which he blew into us, is not going to die, but is, is going to be there forever and ever. And so we thank God for this wonderful fact. So this is not final. And this, let me tell you, has found a master. This has found the master in the victory which Jesus Christ brought to us. Let me just take you quickly to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm coming back later on to that scripture, but right now I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54. The Bible reads here, Then... When our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. This is swallowed up in victory. Oh, this, where is your victory? Oh, this, where is your sting? Oh, praise God. The Bible tells us very clearly here that death is not the end, but actually victory is the end. And death has been defeated once and for all through the power of Jesus Christ, through the power of God Almighty, when Jesus confronted death and once and for all conquered death. Amen? So this is what we have to hold on to, because death has found its master. And we know that even if we still have to go through the valley of the shadow of death today, and even so our human bodies are still going to be laid down and will eventually go into the grave until uh, Jesus comes, we realize that this is not the end of somebody who is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So let's, un let's hold this very firmly, that for us, death is not the end, but it is a new beginning. Amen? Now, we all realize that death is a reality. But when that happens, let us encourage one another. Amen? Let us encourage one another and let us stand together. I'm encouraged to see that during this uh, uh, time of mourning, during that season, everything was quiet. People were standing together and encouraging one another. Now, when this has happened, that's when we call the church. That's when we read scriptures, isn't it? That's when we are listening to somber music on the television. And I, I, I wish we would not only allow this to happen when, when uh, this has happened, but that we are listening to the word of God at all seasons, at all times. Amen. While we are thankful for this period and, you know, the reflection about about what has happened, but we need, need to realize that, you know, God wants us to take a lot of time listening to his words, you know, reflecting on the word of the Lord for our future and for our life. When we are confronted with this, we are confronted with the life which is so fleeting, isn't it? We are realizing time and again when we are standing at the gravesite, when we are saying farewell to a loved one, that life is just too short. And that's why the Bible is encouraging us to think about our life, you know, to reflect on the gift of life. Let me tell you, the years God has given to you up to now is a gift from God. And we need to understand that that gift from God needs to be used and utilized in a proper way. You know, Jesus is telling us the parables of those servants who were given certain talents, certain abilities, certain gifts. And God was expecting that every servant would use those gifts and talents in order to be able to utilize them and bear more fruit. And that's exactly true for every single one of us. Every single one of us has received, number one, the gift of life. Praise God. I'm so glad I'm able to speak to you and not speak to corpses. Okay? I'm so glad to see smiles on faces, you know? I'm so glad to see, you know, that you have life. And life is dynamic. Life is powerful. Life is interesting. Life is good. Amen? And as long as we have that life, we should utilize that life and do the best with that life that we can. So for this short time here on earth, we enjoy life. It's a gift. But we must make sure that we appreciate life and that we utilize every minute of it. Not only all the talents which we have given, but also the time that we have been given. I don't know how many years you have passed here in this world, but it doesn't matter how many years you have passed. Look forward. Every day, every new day you are receiving out of the hand of God. Take it with thanksgiving. Tell God, Lord, thank you for this day. Let me be fruitful on this day. You know, when you are confronted with this, 
you should always become thankful that you are alive. Amen? You should always thank God that you are not yet gone, but that you are still here. And God has given us time of grace to do his work here on earth. And while we are here on earth, God wants us to prepare ourselves for greater things yet to come. Somebody told me once, I'm not interested in this life here on earth. I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for heaven. And I said, you know, if you are st sitting back like this and you are just useless here on earth, I tell you, you will not enjoy heaven very much because you are going to be there with empty hands. And that's why, you know, we must utilize what God has given to us. You know, God in his love has given us so much. And that much which he has given to us, we need to utilize it while we are here. You know, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that, you know, the way we build here on earth is how we will be rewarded in heaven. If we are wasting our life, we will lose everything when we stand before the Lord. And that's why it is so important that we invest our life. And so when we are faced and confronted with death and dying, we need to remember that God has a good plan for all of us. And we need to remember that the days, the hours, the minutes, the seconds which God has given to us are all precious. Not only in the sight of God, but they should be precious in our sight too. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Now, this somehow has the ability to bring people together. Okay? Uh, let me tell you. The few times I've met my whole family, and it's not very, happening very often because I'm very far away from where my family is. But the few times I've met my, my whole family was during funerals. Because during funerals, that's when the whole family comes together. And I think we all realize that, isn't it? Sometimes we are waiting for somebody to come from a thousand kilometers away because we wait until... Maybe grandmother is there or grandfather is there or this uncle has come. We wait until the family is gathered. Now, when we look into the Old Testament, we find something very interesting that during the days of the patriarchs, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and others, they actually didn't call the people together after they had died. They called them together while they were dying or before they died. That's very interesting. Of course, you say, but how do I know when I die? Uh, well, I have no answer to that, but they knew. They knew when they were called to lay down their lives and uh, were handing over, so to say, to the children they left behind. Let me quickly read a scripture to you from the book of Genesis, chapter 49, verse 1. That's a long chapter, and I would encourage you to read that chapter in your own time, Genesis chapter 49, verse 1, the Bible says here, Then Jacob called together all his sons and said, Gather around me and I will tell you what will happen to each of you in the days to come. So this patriarch, Jacob, or Israel as he was called later on by God, realized my time of departure has come. 
Just like the Apostle Paul says, I know that my departure is near. And I think a man and a woman of God should realize, you know, when our time is come. And we should not die a violent death, but a natural death, you know, where we know God is calling us to himself. At least that was the case in those olden days. So Genesis 49 tells us that Jacob was calling all his children around him, and there they were listening to him. Jacob or Israel knew very well that his time had come to leave this world, and that's when he was, was giving out words of direction and vision to every one of his children. That's very interesting. Then verse 33 reads, and I don't want to read all the other verses. This one I leave it to you as a homework. But in verse 33, after he had finished the job which he called his children around him to do, the Bible says, when Jacob had finished this charge to his sons, he drew his feet into the bed, breathed his last, and joined his ancestors in this. That's very interesting, isn't it? So Jacob knew, my time has come. But before his time had come, he wanted to give direction. He wanted to give, you know, very clear instructions to his sons so that they would not be lost, but that they would continue somehow to live the way he had lived, also to continue with the family legacy. And I think it's very important. I want to talk about family legacy a little bit more later on. But I think it's important for us to realize that we are here for a purpose. Okay? And if your family has made uh, some strides towards a certain direction, you know, just don't throw it away after somebody has died, but continue with that legacy. As I said, in the olden days, during the times of patriarchs, people were called together even to stand around the old man while he was dying. They saw him off, so to say. Well, this doesn't happen necessarily today because often somebody dies and the family is scattered all over the place. But then we come together because we want to take part of the funeral. We want to take part of uh, meeting uh, the brothers, the sisters, the uh, parents, the children, whatever the case may be, we want to be together with them. So, death brings together a family. But what is important is, not only that we come together physically, because, you know, I'm sure you have noticed this time and again, that people have come together physically, but then have divided themselves, quarreling over issues. What is important is that death will not only bring us together to attend the funeral and, uh, you know, be together at the burial, but also be united as a family in purpose, in unity. And I think this is really what Jacob wanted to see his family to do, to remain united, despite the very vast differences between the different sons of Jacob, yet he wanted them to pull together and still remain a family. In the face of this, we all realize how fragile things are which we have been building and which we have been sweating for in a lifetime. 
You know, at the face of this, we should realize that properties are not really so important. What is important is brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, human beings. You know, people who are part of the family. Because really, this is what continues. Amen? Life continues. And praise God, if we are coming together as a family, we look at each other, we see somebody has left us, but we look at each other and we say, well, praise God, we have hope beyond the grave. And for those of you who don't know Jesus, I want to encourage you that you put your trust and your faith and your hope in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, because only with him, only through him, will you have life everlasting. Praise God. Only through Jesus Christ. So in the face of this, let us not go astray and look at the property somebody has left, but let us look at life itself. Because life is more important than anything the world has to offer. Jesus said, what does it help you if you win the whole world and you lose your soul? Some people, they want to win a television set or a car or a nice cell phone and they are ready to quarrel over that with brothers and sisters. How sad. You know, all these things, they're here today, tomorrow they're gone. Some time ago, I went to a village very far in uh, one of our rural areas. And um, I found a nice house of somebody there. And uh, in front, I saw a car on, on, on blocks. And uh, I began talking to some people in that village. And uh, I said, this is a nice house. And uh, people were looking the other side, you know. <laughs> and I said, uh, tell me a little bit more about uh, who is the owner there? And so they didn't really want to talk about it. But finally, I found out that this man, who was uh, from the same village, he had a very, very well, wealthy brother somewhere in, uh, in, uh, in the city. I think it was in the copper belt who worked for the mines for a long time. And so when he died, he grabbed everything. He built a nice house. He even took the car. But the car, of course, was not running for long. Then it was ending in the blocks, you know. You know, what good is it? You get something which you cannot even use. How sad. How sad. Let's value life much more over every property. Let's value life. I'm not saying money is not important. Of course it is. But it cannot be more important than life itself. It cannot destroy relationships because if it does, then money is not a blessing but a curse. God has brought us into this world to build life. To help one another, to speak life into each other's individual lives. Amen? And that's why we are here in this world. So let this not make us scavengers for things, but let us 
realize that in the face of this, life is the greatest gift which we have and which we possess. And let's build that life. You know, when somebody has died, don't look for someone who is dead. But understand that the same gifts and the same talents and the same abilities which made this man acquire all these things can also help you to use what you have. Not use somebody's probably, but use what you have to acquire things with your own work, with your own sweat, with your own initiative. I'm, I'm always getting surprised when somebody dies. People want to just grab whatever is there. You know, what, what you should say, how did this man or how did this woman get these things? You know, I want to learn a lesson from their initiative. And I want to have the same initiative. I want to have the same kind of interest in building my life. And I tell you, God will bless you. Because always, God will bless the work of our hands. Amen? Not uh, the, the, the stealing from helpless children who are losing their parents. God will not bless that. But God will bless the work of your hands. I believe in the face of this, we need to learn to close ranks against our arch enemy, the devil. Because let's not forget, every time death comes to knock at somebody's door, we are reminded that we are part of a fallen creation. We are reminded that this world is not our final destiny, but that there is something greater yet waiting for us. Every time this is knocking at our door or is somehow uh, realized to be in our neighborhood and real in our, in our experience, we must always remember to close ranks against the enemy. Let this not rule but let death be conquered. Amen? Let me say that again. Let death not rule, but be conquered. I found a very interesting verse in the book of uh, Proverbs. In Proverbs 11, uh, it says in verse 19, Godly people find life. Godly people find life. Evil people find this. Hallelujah. I've got good news for you. Make sure that you are godly, living a godly life. You will find life even after death. For somebody who knows Jesus, death is not a threat. You walk into death and you find you're coming out on the other side and there's life. But for somebody without Christ, you walk into death and that's where you end. You are going to be caught up right there. But for us who know Jesus as Savior and Lord, we do not need to be afraid because Jesus conquered this. And not only, not only did he conquer this, but he got a lot out of this. And let me just read this to you from the book of John chapter 12. John chapter 12, I'm going to read from verse 23 and 24. The Bible says here, Jesus replied, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. Jesus didn't say enter into death. He said the Son of Man is going to enter into his glory. Praise God. And you know for every believer who is about to leave this world, 
is going to enter into glory, not into the grave, but enter into glory. Verse 24, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Verse 25, those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Oh, praise God. So Jesus said, I'm about to enter into glory. But we know that he was about to be nailed to the cross, die a very violent death, and be put into the grave. But praise God, the grave could not hold him. He fell into the ground like a kernel of wheat. But for him, it was not a defeat, but it was a victory. And when he came out of the grave, you know, just immediately right there, there was such a power, vacuum, you know, that even at that moment in time, more than 500 people were sucked out of their graves. You know, if you were nearby and you were dead by that time, you would have just come back with Jesus. I want to tell you, life is much stronger than this. And that's why I want to declare here that we who believe in Christ have life and have it in abundance. The grave is not a threat. It can only destroy what belongs to this world, but not what belongs to God. Praise God. So, my dear friends, brothers and sisters, let us close ranks against our enemy. We all know and realize that death can be a time of confusion. And remember, the Bible tells us that the devil has come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And when there is already confusion in a home, we must be very, very careful that we are not giving him more room to even destroy that which is still all right. And yet, so many times we see that at funerals, when somebody has passed on, instead of, you know, standing together, helping one another, and, you know, getting victory out of this, we sometimes see that the devil is causing even more confusion and more destruction through a funeral. And that's why we must be careful not to allow the enemy to cause havoc in our families. You see, God has created the family to stand together in times of joy, in times of victory, in times of rejoicing, but also in times of mourning, in times of pain, and times of death. That's when we need to hold hands together. And I thank God for Zambia, who has been able to stand together through this time of mourning, holding hands together, and saying, we want to see this through. We want to get victory out of this calamity. And praise God, I believe that God is going to raise Zambia to greater heights. We thank God for the many people who have turned to the Lord, even at this difficult time. But my prayer is that it is not just during this time that we are praying, but that we keep on giving God a chance to direct our lives, even into the future when things will go well with us. 
Because often we are calling on the Lord when we are in trouble. And we forget him quickly when things go well. But you know, we should learn to worship the Lord, especially when things go well. Because then we will be well prepared when things are tough. When things are not going as well. And when death is knocking at our door. So brothers and sisters, you are part of a family. Every one of us is a part of a family. I want you to be a pillar of strength in your family, especially when there's a funeral. And you never know when you will face the next one. You never know what the future is going to bring. But let there not be misunderstanding and, in, and infighting, but let there be encouragement. Let there be hope. Let there be a study of the word of God about a great future which God has prepared for all of us. Remember, in this world we are not alone. And that's the good news. We are not alone. Even when somebody has died in our family, we are realizing many others are joining us. We are not alone. We are part of a family. We are part of a church, the greater family of God. And thank God we are part of the nation of Zambia which has been able to stand together through this time of mourning which we have experienced over the last few weeks. Another very important issue when somebody has passed on, especially when an adult has passed on, maybe a father, a mother, somebody who was very influential in a family, what will happen next? And you know, it's important to understand that there has to be a redistribution of responsibilities in the family when somebody has been taken away from us. Of course, somebody may just take a trip and the same thing happens, but if this comes our way, it's something you cannot easily uh, negotiate. And that's why I want to encourage the people who are leading our nation the people who are in charge of families, you know, when this comes, sit down and look at the responsibilities which need to be carried forward. You know, we can all get life out of the most difficult situation if only we take the right response to it. If only we have the right attitude to it. When somebody has passed on, let us not just go on with business as usual. But we need to sit down and share responsibilities in the home. We need to gather the family, those who are left behind, and look into the future very, very seriously. If there was a good legacy on the family, you should see how did our father or our mother do what they, the way they did it. You know, how were they successful? And then sit down and say, how can we carry on the good legacy of our family? And of course, as a nation, this is what we are doing right now. This is a process in which we are in right now. How can we carry on the good legacy, the good name which has been built over the last few years? It's very important. It's not just good for us to quickly rush into business as usual, but let's 
reflect on what can we do? How can we uh, take care of responsibilities in the house of the uh, family, in the house of a nation or even the church after something like this has happened? If you have lost a loved one and there was no good legacy, things were not going well, still more you have to sit down and say, okay, how can we correct what has gone wrong in this family? Because I believe where human beings are, there's always a way to get out better. You know, to get out more victorious, to get something out of what God has for us. And that's why it's important for us to sit down and learn from that which has been experienced. Let me tell you, mourning and pain can be a very powerful teacher if only we learn to submit to that teacher. You know, a teacher can talk as long as he wants. If you're not listening, you will get nothing from it. And I, I think we have all had such times, you know, when a teacher was standing in front and the, uh, maybe you have been a teacher yourself and the, your, your students were not listening, you know. You're feeling so hopeless, so, so, so wasting your time. Or maybe you have been a student at one time and you just did other things and this, the, the teacher were, was talking in front and you were, you were busy doing something else. But you know, we are what we are because people have taught us. Isn't it? We are what we are because people have invested into us. And let me tell you, when we are going through a time of mourning, a time of pain, a time of calamity, it is a good teacher. You may say, well, this is not very spiritual. Let me tell you, read the book of Job. You will find out that Job learned much, much more in the days when he was suffering than in the days when he was fine. I know there are some people who don't like this kind of message, you know, because they are, they are talking always about victory and, uh, you know, prosperity and, and all kinds of other, uh, you know, powerful words. I wish I could also talk like that all the time, you know, but the, the reality is different. Hmm? Isn't it true? Isn't it true? I told you about that prosperity teacher who was talking about not getting sick and so on, you know, and then one day he fell sick. But because he didn't want to tell the people that, you know, I'm not feeling okay, so he went into another city uh, uh, where there was a hospital and checked into that hospital. Unfortunately, somebody from his church was a nurse at that hospital. <laughs> so, you know, playing games is not a good thing. We are living in this world, you understand? This world has got ups and downs. But I praise God that the blessings are superseding the calamities. And that with God, we have victory in all seasons, in all times. You know, through him, we are going to be more than conquerors. Not by our own strength, not by our own ability, but by his powerful victory, which he brought to us through the cross, the suffering on the cross. And you know, Jesus said, if if I, your master, have gone through that, what about you? Okay? People have been accusing him. People have been uh, persecuting him. You know, all these things have happened. And Jesus said, this will come to you too. It's a reality. Of course, 
We all would love a life of chocolate much easier, a life of sweets, a life of plenty much easier than a life of hardship. But you know, hardship is a good thing for us too. And the Bible says, take hardship as a discipline from the hand of the Lord. Because God has a good plan for your life and for our life, for my life, that he will invest a lot in order to get us where he wants us to be. So when this comes, let us not despair. Let us not give up. But let us realize we are walking through the valley of the shadow of this. Not to remain in the valley of the shadow of this, but eventually to come out of it on the other side. But praise God, even if we are found in the valley of the shadow of this, we know that God is with us. Praise God. And I think we have seen this in Zambia, that God has been with us. And I think people from outside, visitors, people from other nations have commented about it. They realize there's something special here. We thank God that whatever happened, God has been with us. Through this time of uncertainty and finally the time of mourning, God has been very powerful on our side. And we thank God as a nation that God has kept his hand of protection upon us and that God will not forget this nation. Praise God that at one time we declared Zambia a Christian nation. And I think, you know, God blesses us for that. But of course, a declaration which is made in general must be lived by the people who are called into the kingdom of God, and we are all called in the kingdom of God. Every single one of us has a responsibility to walk in the footsteps of Jesus Christ and do what is right. Amen? I hope I'm not making you sad today because I'm talking about this. But I have got good news, you know. As I'm going to finish my, my, my message today, I'm not going to end with the grave, but I'm going to end with something glorious. I'm going to end with something powerful. I'm going to end with something which is yet to come. And that is a great family reunion. When I, when I first came, uh, you know, in, 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 in times when I was... Uh, new in the English language, I heard somebody talk about a family reunion and I first didn't understand what is a family reunion, you know? And there are some people who take family reunions very, very seriously, you know? But then I understood, yeah, family reunion is when all the family meets together. And praise God, there's a family reunion coming for those who know Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior. Let me take you to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 25. And mind you, this is in the Old Testament. This is a prophecy. As far back as in the days of Isaiah, these things were prophesied. And the Bible reads here in Isaiah chapter 25 verse 6, 
in Jerusalem or in Zion. The Lord of heaven's army will spread a wonderful feast for all the people of the world. It will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine and joyous meat. I hope that will not throw your, uh, your theology overboard here. Okay? Nobody will get drunk. It's well-aged wine. You understand? Verse 7. There he will remove the cloud of gloom, the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. Hallelujah! Listen, have you heard that? Let me read it again. The Bible says, There he will remove the cloud of gloom, the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. There's a time coming when death will be no more. When all these negative things will be removed once and for all. Oh, I like this. Verse 8. He will swallow up death forever. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. If you have been crying of late, cheer up. You know, maybe you have been uh, pulling out your handkerchief and you cleared your tears, you know. But one day, you don't need your handkerchief. One day, God himself will wipe away all tears. And those will be the last ones you will ever have to cry out. Praise God. That's yet to come. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. He will remove forever all insults and mockery against his land and people. The Lord has spoken. In that day, the people will proclaim, this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. Hallelujah. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord in whom we trusted. Let us rejoice in the salvation he brings. Hey, these are powerful words. I, I just, uh, you know, encourage you to, 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 to write this scripture down and hang it somewhere where you can see it. Every time you, you are faced with this, go back to that scripture and read here. There is a time when he will swallow death forever. When he will wipe away every tear. Hallelujah. He will remove the gloom and the death which hangs over the earth. So let's not forget, death is an interlude, something in between. Something which was not meant to be there, it is there because of sin. It is there because of our disobedience against God. It is there because we gave room to it. But God decided he will deal with it and he has dealt with it and one day he will completely remove it once and for all. We will all be united as God's family. Let me go back to the scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 17. The Bible says, then together, you know, with them who are going to be raised from the dead and those who are alive and are being raptured from this earth, then together with them we are still, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Praise God. 
then we will be with the Lord forever. No more separation. No more farewell. No more bye-bye. But we will be united with him forever and ever. What a privilege is waiting for all of us. Let me just quickly take you to the book of Psalms 23. And I know most of us know Psalm 23, maybe even from the heart. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Okay, but I want to look at verse 4. And the Bible says, even when I walk through the valley of death, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You know, this is a good description of what we are going through in our world. Yes, there are green pastures, there are sweet, good waters, but there are also dark valleys, shadow of death. But praise God, he has promised that he will be with us even during those times. Verse 5 says, You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Oh, hallelujah. Family reunion is coming. And it's not just shaking hands only. There's a feast going to happen. Okay? You prepare a feast for me. That's New Living Translation. A feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You know, all the enemies, they are going to be watching from a distance. Including death itself. They are watching from a distance. You know, can you imagine all these enemies you were struggling with? You know, all the... The, the bad things, the evil things, you know, the, habit, the bad habits, the, 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 the enemies who were trying to destroy your life, whatever was there. You know, they will just watch from a distance and you see them in a distance. Huh? See you, bye-bye. And the Bible says there will be a feast, a table prepared in the presence of your enemies. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You welcome me as a guest, anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely, goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. Hallelujah. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Hey, this is good. You see, this is what is waiting for us. Family reunion is coming. So do not give up. Do not be afraid. One day, we'll all sit at the table of the Lord and we'll enjoy not only company with one another, but we will enjoy company with Jesus. We'll enjoy company with the Holy Spirit. We'll enjoy company with the Father in heaven who has done so much for all of us. And that's when life will unfold in a way which we have never thought it possible. You know, maybe you are aware about certain talents and certain gifts and certain abilities you have. But there you will be amazed that what you had, maybe in small portions here on earth, you will be given in greater portions for eternity to come. But of course, it has got something to do with how we utilize what God has given us here and now today. So dear brothers and sisters, dear friends, let us put our trust in Jesus Christ. 
Let us look forward to a greater future which is waiting for us. As long as we are here, let us utilize the time. Let us use every minute of every hour, of every day, of every week, of every month, of every year God gives us. And no one of us has a guarantee how much time we are given. But let us take what God gives us out of his hand and employ it to bear more fruit. Jesus said, I'm going to glory. You know? But he was laying his life down into the grave. And when he came back, he had borne much fruit. Every single one of us is part of the church of Jesus Christ because of the salvation which he has brought. And dear brothers and sisters, God wants us to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Maybe we have to do a little bit of dying in order to bring fruit for Jesus Christ. Maybe you have to lay down a little bit of comfort so that others can enter into the wonderful saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Maybe you have to sacrifice some of your money instead of just putting it aside, but sacrifice some money into the kingdom of God. And I tell you, that is the best investment, better than any share in the world, because it will pay dividends in eternity. Plenty of dividends. Friends, brothers and sisters, when the family experiences this, it's a time to mourn, but also a time to look beyond the grave. A time to look up to the living God. A time to remember the plan God has for all of us. A time to remember why death has come into this world and how death has been defeated and can be overcome.